grateful that you're here today. We have been preaching a, a series. To be quite honest, this is the 17th message in this series. Lord willing, it will be concluded tonight. And all of you that are here, you've been here, you know the series on Sunday morning, Sunday night has been this theme. Ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. We started this uh, series out in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. The Lord laid out the three classifications of all human beings in that chapter, in those two chapters. There is the natural man. The natural man is a person that has never trusted Christ as their Savior. The Bible says that spiritual things, they are ignorant to them. And number two, they have no, they have no absolute any interest in them. They're foolish to them. So you being in church this morning is foolish to a lost person. You trying to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, reading your Bible, doing what God commands us to do, to the lost man, you are foolish. That's a sad state. By the way, we were all there. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, the Bible says that you are a natural man. You cannot discern the things of God. And the reason being is because you do not have, it's not because you're a bad person, it's because you do not have the great Holy Spirit indwelling you that illuminates all truth. So we've dealt with that, the natural man. Then we find in that same passage, and then in chapter 3, God gives us a classification that there is a carnal Christian. The Bible says that someone can be saved, but they are carnal. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means that they are being dominated, not by the Spirit, but they are being dominated by their flesh, and they're being dominated by their feelings. You can never trust your feelings. But a carnal Christian is someone, in chapter 3, the Bible says, that they are carnal because they're not also interested in the meat of God. They're only interested in the milk. They're like they've never grown. They're not interested in spiritual things. They're not interested in being dominated by the Spirit because the Bible says a carnal Christian is marked by strife, envy, and jealousy. Division. The he even said in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians Uh, You're yet carnal. Are you not carnal? Why is there divisions and strife and envy among you? Are you not carnal? So he labels that a, a Christian can actually be a carnal Christian. And their lives are marked by strife, division, and envy. Can I help everyone just a second? My wife helped me this week. She did somewhat of a word study on slothfulness. I did a word study on those three words months back when I was preparing this message when it come to strife, envying, and divisions. And we like to use human words for human problems, but do you know you can trace that sin or that problem back to the Bible and to a Bible word. Do you know what the word of someone that's full of strife is? That would be someone that would be considered what we call someone today is a narcissist. 
See, that's a man-made word for an issue that we think is a real problem with people, but God already dealt with that with the word strife. The Bible says someone that's full of strife, we call them a narcissist. They only think of themselves and they're always living in this little fantasy world and they're always trying to cause problems with other people. God said they are full of strife. And by the way, a Christian can be full of strife if they're not yielded to the Spirit of God and if they're carnal, allowing their flesh and their feelings to dominate them. But then, of course, the whole reason of the series of messages we also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but ye which are spiritual. He which are spiritual. The Bible says that he discerneth all things, yet he is judged of no man. You know what that means? It means people think you're crazy. Someone that is, that is spiritually minded, they're being yielded to the Spirit of God. They're walking in the Spirit of God. They're being filled with the Spirit of God. They're allowing the Spirit of God to lead them and to control them and to teach them. They're weird people. And I understand this better than ever. I told my wife the other day as we were sitting there on the bed just talking, I said, you know what? I understand my preacher better now when I was younger. I thought he was weird. You know what? He was. You know why? Because I was carnal. And I didn't understand where he was. He understood where I was, but I, I didn't understand where he was because I was not interested in being spiritually minded. I thought he was weird to a certain point. And by the way, I want to just say this to y'all. We are weird. Somebody say amen. We are weird. Can you imagine that God calls someone, as these missionaries are here with us today, do you understand God has called us and given us the greatest calling in the world? But do you know, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's one of the most frustrating things because you're always standing for truth and you create enemies even when you don't want to create them. Just by telling the truth. But God bless every man, woman that's been called into the ministry. God bless each one of you, by the way, that is a Christian because you're a full-time Christian. But are we a spiritual Christian? So these last months, we've been looking at ye which are spiritual. We've dealt with so many We've been dealing with filled with the Spirit of God. We've dealt with the manifestations of the Spirit. We've dealt with so many things. In the last two Sundays I have dealt, we've looked at grieving the Holy Spirit of God and we've looked at quenching the Spirit of God. Now this morning I want to look at the third in a positive way. We which are going to be spiritual, if we're going to be spiritual, we're going to have to not quench the Spirit of God. We're not going to grieve the Spirit of God. And then today, I want us to put this into our life and to realize this is of a positive condition that we must do. Grieving and quenching is something we should avoid as a Christian. But this, this principle, if we're going to be that which is spiritual, we're going to have to have this in our life. So let's look at it in the book of Galatians. So if you would turn with me in the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, we're going to begin reading with verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And we're going to find this positive condition that's in positive in character in the very first verse that I've mentioned here in verse 16. 
The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I want you to notice the command, the clear command, the clear instruction, the clear counsel. Here's what the Lord tells His child. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, there it is now. A carnal Christian is interested in absolutely caving in and fulfilling the lust of the flesh. My flesh, the Bible says, dwelleth no good thing. My old man is constantly warring against my spirit. But as I walk in the spirit, I'm going to define walking in the spirit in such an elementary way that even a child can understand it. Look at verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And they, these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, if you're not walking in the spirit, if you're not yielding to the spirit, if you're not relying on the spirit of God, there is no way as a human being we can live a life pleasing to God. It's not in us. We dealt with that last week. It's not in us. The book of Jeremiah tells us it's not in man to lead himself. It's not in me to guide myself. No matter how capable I am, no matter how educated I am, I will make a mess of my life because I must be led by the Spirit of God. I want you to notice the Bible says, verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are what? You say, well, Pastor... Why is that flesh so nasty? Why, why should I not be dominated by my flesh as a Christian? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because here's what's going to happen to you and happen to me if we allow our flesh to dominate our life. Look at the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. These are all sexual sins. By the way, you ever heard this statement? Oh, I would never believe so and so would do that. You ever heard that? Can I get a little bit more sticky here? Have you ever said it? Be careful because as you and I yield to our flesh, we do the same. That's the works of the flesh. It's in all of us. Say, so, oh my goodness, I can't believe that person has ruined his life. Why has he ruined his life? Because he simply yielded to the flesh. And the flesh, God tells us, he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He says, this is what the flesh produces. Adultery. Lasciviousness. Sexual sins. Notice what else? Idolatry. Do you mean, you mean as a Christian, we can actually be so dominated and work and our flesh work that we no longer worship God? Yes. Witchcraft. Now, let me help everybody here. Anytime you see source and witchcraft in the Bible, you're dealing with drugs. You're dealing with drugs. By the way, we're in an epidemic of drugs. By the way, someone might say, well, what's, what's so wrong about a drug? Well, can I just say this? You know there's thousands of things wrong with a drug, but you know the greatest reason that a drug is wrong? Because it becomes our source of life instead of God. Oh, 
Oh, got to have it. No, I'm going to tell you what you need. You need Jesus. Every moment of the day. The Bible says, emulations, wrath, strife. There's that word strife again that we found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that a carnal person is known by strife. Envyings, look at verse, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. This, look here, look at me, look here, here, listen. You know what, this is what will happen to us, every one of us. I don't care how educated you are, I don't care. Listen to me, when you yield to the flesh, God tells us here's the works of the flesh. This is what's going to produce. But when we yield to the Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit. Now here's the question, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well quickly, let me just say, we've dealt with the last two weeks, we've dealt with, first we dealt with grieving the Spirit. What does that mean? Well sin grieves the Spirit of God. He doesn't leave us. If you're saved, he doesn't leave you. He doesn't withdraw from you. But the Bible tells us that he's grieved by the sin. I have two children. I love them. But I have sinned against my children. But thank God they've never disowned me up until this point. They still love me. But there's no doubt there's been times that I have grieved them because of my failure. My wife, thank God, she's put up with me now for 28 years. And I have grieved her. But thank God she's never left me. But listen to me. God is grieved, but he never withdraws from you. But you say, Pastor, why does grieving keep us from being spiritual? Because the Spirit of God has to turn His ministry in us from flowing through us and blessing and working through us. Now He has to turn to me and start using that. And He has to start convicting me and ministering to me. You understand? He grieves Him. Then the Bible says, we dealt with it all last Sunday quench not the spirit of God what does it mean to quench it just simply means this you say no to him it's unyielding you quench the spirit you you douse the fire you douse the leading you douse the guiding he's not going to make you but he's prompting you he's leading you and the only one that can stop him is you and me you say no you say pastor where do you get that in Philippians the Bible says let this mind be in you does it say I command you to have this no the Bible says the Holy Spirit is inside of you he will give you the mind of Christ he wants to give you the mind of Christ but here's the key you have to let him you have to say yes you have to be yielded yes Lord so the Christian life to be spiritual is a life of saying yes Lord and I gave you the illustrations of your life as like a big mansion and it's full of doors it's full of rooms and you've got the key to them and when you get saved you give him the key he comes into your house he comes into your living room but the Christian life is a succession from that point on of you're just continuing unlocking doors and say yes Lord as he touches this yes Lord yes Lord but see the problem is a Christian we like to keep those keys and we like to say now Lord I've surrendered that I've done come to Chattanooga I left the state of West Virginia I gave you a big key but what when he wants some other things in my life I've got to say yes Lord so quenching the spirit of God is just simply no and by the way there's more quenching that goes on in a Sunday service than you can shake a stick at there's been thousands of times even you, me, people in this building and churches all across the world, they're sitting there in a pew, they hear the Spirit of God speak to their heart, and here's what we do. Not now, Lord. 
Not now. And we can't wait to get out that door so we can quieten the voice down. God, help us give him the key. You're safe saying yes to him. Yes, Lord. By the way, wasn't it a good day when he convicted you of your sin? If you are here today and you've never been saved, listen to me. You are safe to confess every sin to him. You don't have to confess them to me. You don't need to confess them to one soul here. The reason being is we're human. But I can promise you this. You are safe to confess your sin to God because he loves you. And I'll tell you what he'll do. He will forgive you and restore you. It's like we live in a day now. We have to convince people that they can trust the Lord. No, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever it is. That's not quenching the Spirit of God. You're yielded. You're saying yes. Yes, Lord. But today. The positive condition. Something I'm asking our church and all of you to be that you would not avoid, but you would allow. And that is for you to walk in the Spirit. What's that mean? Are you all ready? Here's the word associated with that. Grieving is sin. Quenching is saying no. Are you all ready? Walking the Spirit is this. Complete dependence. You rely. Brother Charlie Nicholson, God bless his heart. He did have a walker. He has graduated from a walker. Now he has a cane. And you know what he's doing? He's relying on that cane to help him get in this door. And sometimes people look at those things like there's something that is a negative thing. But I want you to know something. It's not because I'd rather him come in here on a cane and not be able to come at all. But even more importantly than that, in a spiritual realm, it's like some of us, we think we got it, Lord. And I tell you right now, Lord, we're so spiritual. We've got all of this. No, God says we're to walk in the Spirit. And you know what that means? That means we are so humbled. And we realize that we are absolutely worthless. And we can't even walk without Him holding our hands. And we completely depend upon Him. Walking in the Spirit. Relying in the Spirit of God. This condition is a positive one for the Christian is to be spiritual. He must walk in the Spirit. What's it mean, Pastor? Complete dependence. So here the word associated is walk in the Spirit's dependence. For example, the Holy Spirit will do the walking. But the Christian responsibility is to completely depend upon Him. Here it is. Walking in the Spirit simply means walking by definite reliance. I mean complete dependability upon the ability and the power of the one who indwells us. Can I ask you all a question? Just answer it in your heart. Are you saved? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit abiding in you. Are you depending upon Him? Are you walking in Him? Question, have you ever learned to depend on the Spirit for anything? I want you to think about that. Have you? And let me just speak to the men just a minute. You know why it's sometimes a little tougher for us men? Because we think we got it. Come on now. I got this. 
You know, we don't want anybody to ever think that we don't have the answer. That's why we, we run around town for 20, you know, before we got GPSs. We would never confess that we were lost. Go talk to a gas station agent. You're crazy. I'm not going to admit that I'm lost, honey. And here's what's amazing. She already knows it. Some of you men, I think y'all are either trying to act spiritual or you have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, we almost break our leg and you know, we, oh, we can't cry. Oh, oh, no, we're fine. And then we wait till everybody leaves. <laughs> That's who we are, man. But God says if we're going to be spiritual in nature, we have to d- learn to depend on Him. Have you ever done that? What's something in your life that you've had to learn to depend on him? You know, that's why some people will never get up and speak. That's why some people will not give a testimony. That's why some people will never go and talk to somebody and hand out a track because they're scared to death. They say, oh, it's out of my comfort zone. But see, that's something you ought to learn to depend on the Spirit of God to help you with. I'll never forget it. Lord, I was talking about it yesterday. I was as green, Brother Snyder, as green can be. I went to Crown College for five, I crammed Four years and four and a half. We went off. We were talking about it yesterday. God sent us to Greystone Baptist Church in Lewisburg, West Virginia. And you know what, brother, Mr. Clay and Ms. Cayley could have not sent us to a better place to learn. Everything Laura and I was weak in, Pastor Miss Altizer was strong in. Talk about a funeral. What, what in the world do you do at a funeral? What in the world do you do to try to comfort a family that's just had someone in their family die? Man, listen, Laura, we had no idea what we were doing. And God sent us to Greystone Baptist Church. We weren't there a week. And a dear precious couple in our church had a baby. Pastor calls me up, said, hey, come on, we're going down to the hospital. I'm like, babe, I'm getting ready to go see a couple that just had a baby. I'm like, I have no idea what to do or say. So in the car driving down there, Pastor Altizer starts talking to me. He said, son, let me teach you something right here off, right off the bat. He said, it's not what you say, it's just you being there. That helped me. Then, it was like less than a week later, a dear family, they had been praying for his wife. She dies. They have, they have three children. Two of the boys are still in school. They're in my teen department. And the mother dies. I haven't been there two weeks. I'm like, oh, dear God. I'll never forget it. Pastor calls me up that morning. He says, Brother Mark, you and Miss Laura, y'all get ready. He said, Miss Persinger passed this morning. He said, we're going to go over and comfort John and the boys. And I looked at Laura and I was like, dear God. How in the world are we going to comfort them Baptist family? I mean, I'm green. They don't teach us stuff in Bible college. Somebody say amen. Right? I mean, but this is real deal stuff. This is what matters, right? You, you say, why did you bring all that up? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Here's all I had to understand. I didn't have it. The things that God has put in my life that I have to deal with, look at me, men. I don't have it. And I'm not afraid to tell you today and admit to you today that I know I don't have it. But I thank God He's given me a resource that has aided me if I'll just let Him. You say, Pastor Mark, have you ever just depended upon the Lord for something? All the time. 
when someone comes in this door and says, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And when they pull up in my door early in the morning and I can see their face already, I know right then I don't have what they need. You know what I try to do? And I can't say this that I do it honestly, but I try. You know what I do? I say, Lord, help me now. I have no idea what my ears are getting ready to hear. I have no idea what I'm getting ready to face. But Lord, you do, and I need you to help me. I want to ask you, have you ever learned to depend upon the Spirit of God for anything? That's walking in the Spirit. Relying on Him, knowing that you're not able. And the only way that it's going to be able to be done is by Him and through Him. Think about it now. I want you to think about it. Have you ever learned to depend on the Spirit for anything? Do we really believe that we are just as helpless as the Word of God tells us we are. Do you believe that? You know why? Most men, right there, they just cut me off. They're like, I tell you right now, I got it. I'm not helpless. No, listen to me, gentlemen. You're helpless. Without the Spirit of God, we cannot do or be who God desires us to be unless we are relying on the Spirit. Someone said to me the other day, why is it just so hard for somebody to say sorry? I have another question. Why is it just so sad? Why can we not say, I need help? Because we'll never walk in the Spirit unless we realize we need Him. It's complete dependence. Let me give you an enmity, an enemy of that. It's rationalism. We love to rationalize. We're masters at it. And you say, well, Pastor, why is rationalism completely opposed to walking in the Spirit? Because it's the complete opposite of faith. For example, God touches and prompts me something, okay? For instance, let me, let me give you another little personal illustration. Okay, I'm in West Virginia. I'm serving the Lord. I'm satisfied. Things are pretty safe. Things are good. I'm an assistant pastor. I don't have the weight of the church on me. I'm just helping a man that has the weight of church. And by the way, there's a huge difference. You know, I used to think I had it so rough as an assistant, man. I was doing all the work. And I'm like, man, I don't know why pastor so wore out on Sunday. I don't know why he's always charged up. Why he's always struggling with stuff. I don't know why he's always got something on his mind. I get it now. <laughs> But the Lord started to work on me. And y'all had a pulpit committee that wouldn't leave me alone. They kept calling. And I kept giving excuses. But after a while, one of the men, Brother Jimmy, said, well, will you not even pray about it? Because I told him I'm not even going to pray about it. He said, you won't even pray about it. And the conviction hit on me there just a little bit. So then I said, man, i got to face this thing. I went home. I talked to Laura about it. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what we instantly did? We started to rationalize why we shouldn't go. We, we, well, our family's here, and this is, I mean, this, we're serving the Lord here, and, and we started, look here, rationalizing that. You know what? That made me wait. I think Brother Jimmy contacted me in late summer. I didn't come here till the next following winter. 
You say, well, Pastor, you're just being spiritual about it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was trying to rationalize it away. See, rationalism, we think that's spiritual, but it's not because it's not depending. We excuse ourselves from depending upon the Lord when we can rationalize. Oh, we got it, Lord. I've got this. But see, the Bible says we must walk in the Spirit. It is an unbroken attitude of reliance upon the Spirit of God. When we are in the attitude of an unbroken reliance on the Spirit of God, then and only then the Spirit can possess and utilize every human faculty when we rely upon the Spirit. Now, I'm going to close this morning after I give you the three points that I might finish tonight and might not. But I want to close with giving you three reasons tonight and today why we should walk in the Spirit. Three reasons why. And they're very clear. They're very elementary. But it's something that needs to be emphasized again. Reasons for walking in the Spirit. Reasons for relying and depending upon the Spirit of God day by day, moment by moment. You ready? Number one, because of the world. The world we live in. Can I just say it like this? Because it is the opposite standard of what God's standard is. Get it down. We live in a world where the world's standard is in complete opposition to heavenly standards. Get a hold of that. That's convicting if you just let that penetrate your heart because you're living in wolf country. This world system, our culture, have you watched the national media news lately? Have you watched it lately? Have you figured out who the real enemies of our country is? It's these old, narrow-minded, Bible-believing Christians. Have you noticed? We're the hate mongers. We're the ones that don't love people because we stand for truth. We're the reasons why there's a bill right now sitting in the Senate that's trying to make Christian people that believe in the Bible, what they teach about marriage, God's divine design about marriage. Why is that up there? It's not for the the LGBTQ community. It's in there to arrest us. Attack us. We're the problem. Oh, them old hateful Christians. Oh, they just hate everybody. Well, I'd like for them to come here and see all the precious children of all different race and color that we pick up on our buses. Hate nothing. This young lady right here, Miss Helen, she is pretty much grown up in our church. And I'm going to tell you right now, yesterday Wayne Dawson scared all of us half to death. And he had just a little bit of a... And I went over to Miss Helen. She had worked all day, but she's a lot younger than me. I walked up to Miss Helen. I said, Miss Helen, I said, would you do me a favor? I said, Brother Wayne's cut a little place on his face. I said, would you go and get some napkins? And you know what she did? She didn't go, who? She looked at me, and I, and I told her. She looked at me, and she went, yes, and bam. took off and ran and got it. And when she came back, I watched her. She knows, I, I don't think she knew. I said, but I watched She. It was only like 98 degrees up there. You said, Pastor, why do you bring that up? No, I think we teach that we love people around here. 
Look here, church, we ain't the enemy. I ain't scared of one fundamental Christian. Because if I know a fundamental Christian, they're going to be the most forgiving, loving. They're going to be sickening. They're so forgiving and loving. They're going to be so kind. Why? Because they're going to be walking in the Spirit. But the world is the reason we have to walk in the Spirit. Number two, our flesh. Why? It's because it's within us. Do you know the greatest enemy you'll ever face is you? This old man, the Bible says that our flesh lusteth against the spirit. You know what that means? There's a fight going on. I'm telling y'all right now, look here. It's getting a little warm in here. It's not because this air don't work. It's just, it's hot. But y'all know right now the greatest fight going on. You know where it's at right here. Y'all can't see it. It's the greatest fight. I face it every day. And by the way, so do you if you're saved. You know why? Because you got that old man, you got that old flesh that wants to make you an adulterer, wants to make you lust against the flesh, wants to fight the flesh, wants to make you lasciviousness, wants to make you an idolatry, wants to make you do things that you never dreamed that you would do. That's in you. It's in me. And the reason we must rely upon the Spirit, because that fight's going on, And the only way I can have victory over my flesh and my sinful lust is relying on the Spirit of God. This is practical, church. But then the third one is this. Y'all got it. Y'all probably already know it. The three greatest enemies we have. The devil. Some people, let me help every young person here too. You know, we have this idea that, you know, know, he's got pitchfork, got these little horns on his head. Look at me. He's an angel of light. He's beautiful. But I'm going to tell you right now, he is the father of evil. And boy, Brother Henry, when he prayed Wednesday night, I was so glad to hear it. Of course, he was praying. I pray as they pray publicly. I was praying, but that one caught me when I heard him say, Lord, we know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers of this air. Look at me. Y'all know who the prince of this world is, don't you? And you know what we're doing? We're, we're, we're like teaching our children. We're even walking around like. Oh! Wow, this world is just so great. I'm so comfortable here. It's like wars going on around us. And Christians are just going like this. What's wrong? What's going on? What are you all upset over, Pastor? Well, what are you so jacked up over, Pastor? Why, why are you so passionate about this? Well, do you not know, as Brother Snyder just said, there's people still dying and going to hell? There's a real warfare going on, church. And you know the worst thing as a Christian can do is stick our head in the mud and say, I don't care what's going on in our world. I don't know what's going on in our world. And so, you know what, I'm just going to trust God. No, the Bible says that we ought to be aware of our times. This is free. Democracy is we the people. Not a select group of bureaucrats running our country, but that's what it's become. You know why? Because most Christian people I know have taken this line of thought. Oh, we ain't got no business dealing in that. Well, you're wrong because our founding fathers founded democracy that the people govern themselves. How can you govern yourself if you have no idea what's going on? 
I was reading the other day, for all of you history buffs, our patriots. How many of y'all like military history? Do some reading on the American Revolution. Here's what's going to shock you. Do you know that they were the minority in America that actually fought for their freedom? They were the minority. They were the minority. They were the, the patriots that won and gave all of us freedom was the minority. And do you know who led most of those? I can give you name after name after name after name of pastors and preachers that left their pulpit, donned a suit on, and went and fought for their freedom. And then for us to take the idea and the thought, robbing our patriots of their biblical stand, I believe, because listen to me, church, the Lord Jesus Christ always gives liberty and Satan always gives bondage. Liberty and freedom is always of God, no matter what it costs. Aren't you thankful that he gave all that we might be saved? You say, Pastor, what's this have to do with anything? Because the world... Our flesh and our devil is in complete enmity for us to live the life that God desires us to live. So what must we do? We must depend upon the Spirit of God. Rely. So I'm asking you this morning, who are you relying on? You're relying on your education? Education is great, but it won't get you where you need to go. Are you relying on your resolve? Good, I'm glad you have resolve, but you're going to need more than that. You're going, to re- you're going to rely upon your dedication. Look, thank God for dedicated people, but you're going to need more of that. Listen to me. The Bible says we must walk in the Spirit in complete dependence upon the Lord. Can I just say to every man here, it's okay to throw up the white flag to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I need you today. I need you today. I need you today. I need you today, Lord. Will you help me today? When you speak to me today, will you help me to say yes? I want to rely upon you today. You know every child deserves a mom and a dad living that way. Relying on the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit. Could we stand to our feet this morning?